1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker, I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, And today we're going to talk about the 49ers, 30-23 win over the Rams in what was a tough, scrappy, back-and-forth divisional game. Not quite the ass-kicking that a lot of people were expecting, but the 49ers did find a way to make it happen. Um, When I tweeted about our takeaways, I said the 49ers outlasted the Rams, and that's what it felt like. Had a lot of back and forth. A tale of two halves, though. The Rams looked like the better team in the first half, and the 49ers, in typical 49er fashion, which seems like going all the way back to like the Harbaugh days, um, found a way to... uh, to turn it up a notch and, and put the pedal to the metal and whatever cliche phrase you can come up with and uh, take the lead and keep it that way. Um, we got to start with some injury updates. Uh, to me, that's always one of the absolutely, like the most important thing. I mean, an injury can make a win just immediately feel like a loss from a team perspective and, you know, a season's outlook. Ambry Thomas, uh, he had a knee injury and was in and out. Kyle Shanahan doesn't expect that to be serious. Uh, Diamador Lenore apparently was uh, brought into the blue tent for a head injury, but he was cleared of any uh, concussion scare there. And the most important one, or I wouldn't say most important, they're all important, you know what I mean, uh, in terms of a player's role on the field. Brandon Ayuk uh, injured his shoulder early on in the game on a diving catch. At first, I thought he might have knocked the wind out of him uh, because he landed on the football as he dove caught it, kind of tucked it, landed on it. But in the end, it was ruled a shoulder injury. When he walked into the blue medical tent, he kind of had his left arm hanging down at his side, which uh, made me fear for a broken collarbone. But they don't think that's the case. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does not think it's serious because he was in and out. He came in and was able to play with it. That doesn't mean that it, they're not going to do an x-ray and find some type of fracture or or uh, you know, some type of muscle tear or pull um obviously knock on wood but that is something to monitor as i'm sure he's going to have some more uh, medical uh, medical examinations coming up either today or over the next couple of days especially on a short week um with the giants coming up at levi stadium on thursday 49ers fans uh showed up again i mean obviously thursday is the 49ers home opener at levi stadium but you know the the running joke is SoFi stadium is levi south <laughs> I mean it's I, I think it I think at this point it's it's overused, I think. I i I'm, are we there yet? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm there too soon. Maybe I'm just too uh get off my lawnish about it. But uh Levi South definitely continued to look like Levi South. The I would say the ratio of 49ers to Rams fans in that place was maybe sixty forty at best. Could have been seventy thirty. I mean, on Christian McCaffrey's opening touchdown, that place went absolutely nuts. Clearly louder than at any point the Rams did something. It wasn't like the stadium was quiet when the Rams scored, but it wasn't anywhere near as loud as it was uh, for everything the 49ers did throughout the game, which is such an – it's talked about all the time, but to me it's just such an underrated advantage for that team to be able to go in there and essentially play another home game. You know, there's a little location difference, but they're still in California. You know, what's the? It's a decently long drive, about a seven-hour drive from uh, San Jose to Los Angeles. But at the same time, you know that's that's a huge advantage for them, and for them to be able to go in there and get that kind of support, it's just huge. And frankly, probably pretty frustrating for the Rams. But on that note, shout out to the Rams for putting up what was an outstanding matchup uh, on many fronts from Matthew Stafford's level of play to the Rams' defense level of play. They didn't make it easy on the 49ers at all on either side of the ball. Um, like I said, and during the first half of the game, you would have thought the Rams were genuinely the better team just by the way that game was going down. They went in a halftime tied thanks to a, a last you know, a minute and 45 final drive to close out the half that uh that tied things up but the rams were game and it seemed like the 49ers were expecting that and after the rams beat the seahawks last week after watching that game um i kind of got the impression that it was more about how bad the seahawks played than it was how well the rams played and to me that might have been a bit of a you know an overzealous assumption because the rams came out and against a defense that is, you know, this is only our second game. Watching Steve Wilkes' uh, defense with the 49ers, they were dominant against the Steelers. What did the Steelers, have the Steelers not played yet? What I haven't heard anything about what the Steelers did this week. I'm going to go check it out literally while I'm on here with you guys. Um, No, that's Saints and Panthers on Monday oh, no, excuse me, Monday night is doubleheader and the Steelers play the Browns. So what I was getting at was maybe the the Steelers' offense is just that bad and they could continue to look bad against the Browns, which have a solid defense as well. Or, you know, the 49ers have already earned our respect on defense. I don't think bringing in Steve Wilkes is really going to change that all too much. He's probably more buying into the program and the standards the 49ers' defense has already set. But that being said, the uh, the Rams gave the 49ers everything they could handle on defense and we'll get into that. But it was a it was a great game back and forth. At no point did the 49ers ever lead more than 10. At one point they were down 10 to 3 or uh, and then down again 10 to 17. So we got to see a little bit of Brock Purdy playing from behind, but I think it, I just think it's important to uh, to give a little bit of a hat tip to the hat tip hat tip to the Rams for making that game a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Again, tale of two halves. It seemed like the Rams were uh, were the better team in the first half, and then things shifted pretty quickly there in the second half in typical, like we said, 49ers fashion. One of the things I put on here on my notes was it's a divisional game. It's a divisional game. Several 49ers players said that in their press conferences. Look, it's a divisional game. They know us. We know them. Uh, yes, the 49ers have beaten the Rams now nine times in a row in the regular season, but I'm sure they would trade all those wins for the one time the Rams beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, and then went on to uh, to win the Super Bowl against the Bengals. If I'm if I'm reading that correct, so just because the 49ers have gotten the better of this Rams team that many times in a row does not mean that they somehow you know get to get the automatic right to an ass kicking every week. Uh, The Rams were down. 49ers players said they expected the Rams to be down. And um, you can go back and look at those wins. I'd be curious to know how many of those wins over the Rams were absolute ass kickings versus a game that was pretty tightly contested because, again, divisional opponents that have been getting to know each other for many, many, many years. Starting with the obvious, we've got Brock Purdy. And to me, this game was about the plays that Brock Purdy did not make. Uh, he still had a solid game. I'll I'll give him the word solid. He was 17 of 25. That's 68% for 206 yards, uh, 8.2 yards per play. That's very, yards per attempt. That's very solid in the quarterback realm. Uh, his longest play was 31 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have a rushing touchdown, and he had a 93.1 quarterback rating. Uh, now, those are just the numbers. Again, it was more about the plays that Brock didn't make. It was our first time seeing him miss throws that he should hit. And it's not that he's not given the leeway of ever missing a throw, but it was more often than not in this game. Um, Early on in the game, he had Brandon Ayuk uh, on a double move down the right sideline, wide open. Um, Should have been a catch and and, and score, but Ayuk overthrew him. And then later in the game, he had uh, uh, Juwan Jennings coming open, kind of breaking right down the middle between two coverages. Uh, He had him open. He overthrew him as well, and that one was on third down. Uh, He had the Debo Samuel touchdown. I cannot remember what down that was. That might have been third down as well, but he had Debo Samuel kind of coming down over the middle. Kyle Shanahan did say that that was Purdy's last read on the play, like he went through the entire progression and then had Debo and uh, gunned it down there. Both the throw to Debo and Ayuk were just and, and I'll do them every now and then on practice where you're throwing a go ball and you just put too much umph into it. And it's more of like a, a direct shot than it is, uh, you know, kind of a, think of it like a Russell Wilson rainbow ball. You know, you want your go balls to have plenty of air underneath them. That way, if it's not perfectly in stride with the receiver, he can adjust, he can slow up slightly, he can speed up slightly. And it kind of, obviously the, the most ideal, Deep ball is one where he just runs full speed, runs under it, catches and scores, but um, you want to put some air under it. So it gives that receiver a chance to figure out exactly where his body needs to be when that ball hits the ground. Um, and the Ayuk deep ball and the Debo deep ball were just a little too direct in order to hit that. They've got to be perfect shots. And neither of them were. He also missed Debo on a third down slant uh, later in the game in a situation where they kind of could have put the game away. I believe there were seven minutes left on the clock. Let's see if I've got this on the possession chart. There's the punt. Um, yeah, when they got the ball, there was seven t- thirteen left on the clock, and when they punted, there was 529 left. If he hits Debo on that play, then they're taking off at least another minute and a half off the clock if if they go through and out directly after that. So some definitely some missed throws. And the way I kind of took from this was uh, if this was Brock Purdy on a bad day, On the road in a divisional game, then the 49ers are in a pretty good place. I I just don't think it's that big of a deal. It's something that's easily remedied. I would be more concerned, especially with the overall kind of talking point that Brock Purdy's arm is under strength. Uh, I think it would be more concerning if they were consistently underthrown and broken up. Even uh, Brock Purdy had a deep throw to Debo Samuel, corner of the end zone, probably threw it about 40 yards, maybe more. And it was right. To Debo exactly where it needed to be, but the uh the defender just committed pass interference before it could get there. So even that ball was downfield and still very well placed. So doesn't necessarily concern me that Purdy missed those deep shots. Um, obviously you'd like to have those. My prize picks would have loved him to have those. But at the same time, again, backing up a little bit, if if those are Brock Purdy's biggest mistakes, then 49ers are okay. Uh, a big thing with me when I look at that is the 49ers are taking those shots and they're open. Now, they've got to start hitting those because they're going to play some games against some great teams where they're going to need those shots to connect. But defenses are going to see those those shots on tape and be like, damn, the Rams are lucky he missed that. we got to adjust to this. We've got to be ready for this. We've got to make sure we take note of this. And, I mean, the 49ers could have very easily beaten the Rams 40-23, to um, if not more. I mean, you're talking about a 49ers offense that maybe left 14 to 21 yards on the table, Uh, especially when you consider how many times they got all the way down there. Uh, You know, Jake Moody had a 25, 26-yard field goal. That's a drive you'd like for them to finish with a touchdown. Jake Moody had another, uh, you know what, no, yeah, another 27-yard field goal where, you know, that means you're right there knocking on the door and you just couldn't finish the drive. So, I mean, there's a a world, ifs, ands, or buts, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but there's a world where the 49ers dropped 45 on the Rams. And, uh, you know, that obviously leads to another thing, which leads to another thing, but they left a lot of points on the board and still were were coming away with 30. I think that should encourage a lot of people if – the, the missed deep shots are are concerning to you um let me see okay yeah uh he started the game off with a, a far hash comeback to Ayuk. i mean that's one of those throws that's like if you have below average arm strength, you're just not really attempting those throws and for the 49ers to start that off from purdy to to iuk that's encouraging um it's not like it was rifled in there, but it was well thrown. And it was a completion. Uh, Ayuk did a good job coming back for the ball. As you can tell, I am trying to will my voice forward here, try not to talk as loud as I normally talk. But uh, we did get to see Brock Purdy finally play from behind. One of the things that Guy Haberman on the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast mentioned recently was, um, you know, and even Mika Parsons mentioned it when he was praising Purdy. Is we just have him? Haven't seen him play from behind in those types of scenarios. So if you go to the playlist. Let me find halftime here. Third quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. All right. So let's see if I can get this entire drive here. There we go. In quarter two, there's the touchdown. Okay. There's the touchback. All right. So on this drive, they started out with a minute and 45 seconds left on the clock. Brock Purdy's first pass pass was to Debo Samuel for 23 yards. I believe that one was in the flat on the right. Um, Then he had his next pass to Christian McCaffrey. Um, He went out of bounds for nine yards. Then they ran it with McCaffrey to pick up the first down. Then Brock Purdy hit Juwan Jennings down the left sideline. Big boy catch from Juwan Jennings for 20 yards. Um, Incomplete pass to Brandon Ayuk. Then he had that deep pass to Debo Samuel, which drew the penalty putting them on the one-yard line. Uh, He threw a couple of incomplete passes, one to George Kittle, but that was um, deemed a face-mask penalty, so you're running another play again. On the next play, he got a little lucky. Purdy threw the ball away, rolled right through the ball away when when his target wasn't open, but he threw it really high, and that ball hit the ground with one second left. They gave him one second to run one more play, and Purdy snuck it up the middle and scored convincingly, um, and there was another uh, quarterback sneak later in the game where Purdy only needed one and gained like five and looked surprised that he was kind of like still moving forward, almost like he, he could have kept crawling for more yards if if he was allowed to. Um, but Purdy, that's probably a talking point with him and Shanahan. Like, look, if we're in a, a last-minute situation and you don't like what you see, throw it into the ground, like right in front of your target. Um, if you're going to throw it away, it can't be a rainbow ball like that because it just took too long. To come down. But again, point being here, Purdy was down on the scoreboard and then immediately leaves the four, leads the 49ers on an one minute and 45 second, two-minute drill, even though they're kind of contrary to each other. Um, and and made it happen. So just everything I've seen from Purdy up until this point seems like he's the type of person that would thrive being down on the scoreboard. He just seems like he's down. You know, like he seems Unfazed. He seems calm. He seems like, all right, I'm down on the scoreboard. Who gives a shit? Let's go. That's just the mentality I see from him. He just doesn't seem to get too up, too down, and, and everything in between. Kyle Shanahan made a good point. He said it came down to not turning the football over. And when you look at these two quarterbacks, Matt Stafford threw the ball 55 times, completed 34 of those, 61%, 307 yards one touchdown, two interceptions, you know, and that's the difference right there. Brock Purdy didn't even throw a touchdown, but he didn't throw any interceptions. And uh, that's kind of what separates them. And I'm not saying Purdy is a better quarterback than Stafford. I think anybody watching that game could see how good uh, and potent and dangerous Stafford was. He was getting the ball out quick. You know, he only averaged 5.6 yards per attempt, which is well below Purdy's 8.2. Um, you know, kind of illustrating how quickly he was getting the ball out and just firing it in there to the old Puka Nakua. Fifteen catches on 20 targets for Nakua. That's awesome. I mean, that's just cool. 147 yards for that for that dude. And uh and Stafford was just going, to, I mean, that's over half of Stafford's completions were to uh Nakua. Excuse me, right underneath half. Over half his uh, you know, his Targets to completion. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. Enough about Nakua. But like Kyle Shanahan said, it came down to not turning the ball over. And at no point did Purdy ever look even close to turning the ball over. I don't even know if any Rams defenders even got their hand on the ball. It did give one pass breakup to uh, Durant. But, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. It just seems like Purdy is very reliable, very consistent. Again, did miss some throws, but I think overall, if, if these are the bad games, then uh, Purdy's upside is pretty high. Let's get into my prize picks before we get too far in here. Let's get into my prize picks. If you don't know what prize picks is, it's the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Picking two to, between two to six player stat projections. You picking more, you picking less. and Then you watch the winnings roll in. You know, I like testing my skills on prize picks. It's exciting to me. I've never played before. You can turn $10 into 250 in just a few taps. Uh, what I like best it's, it's simplicity. It's simple to play. I can make my picks, submit my entry in less than like 60 seconds. Um, after last week, last week I had a goose egg. I don't remember my picks. I, I would like to forget them. I'll pull them up right now. Okay. I will rehash my losses. Last week, I had George Kittle going for more than 41 yards. He only went for 19. I had Purdy throwing. Essentially, he I had him throwing an interception. He didn't. Shame on me. And I had Kenny Pickett for throwing for less than 212 yards, and he threw for 232. Um, and a lot of which was in garbage time, and the game was completely out of hand. So I don't blame myself on that one, but I found some redemption this week. I put in... Two entries. The one that hit all three was Matthew Stafford for more than 228 yards. He threw for 307. Debo Samuel to go for more than 50 yards. He went for 63. And for Christian McCaffrey to rush for more than 66 yards, and he went through 100 for 116. I did tone it down with a flex play, though. If I would have went power play, I would have won even more. But I got all three there, green numbers across the board. Now, my other entry, um, I only, uh, okay, so I had Cam Akers going less than uh, like 35 rushing yards. Uh, and that's what I picked. In But he didn't play, so it immediately made it to where I had to get the other two correct. Uh, I did have Brett Maher going over five and a half kicking points. He got 11, 11 more, you know, six 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 and a half more or six more than five. And then I needed Purdy to throw more than one and a half touchdowns. I thought he had one. They ended up taking that away, saying it was a run to Debo. I'm assuming it was a backwards pass. So this was, I think this was Purdy's first game, not including the playoffs, uh, not throwing two touchdowns. So I missed out on that one. I had to get both of them. Even though it was a flex play, I had to get both. But my win with Stafford, Samuel, and McCaffrey, Made up for it. And now we are basically, even with um, today. one of today's losses and last week's loss, we're basically back to, to square one, which is nice. Excuse me, I had to clear my throat there a little bit. Um, so get get in on this with me. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. I've never been a, a huge partaker in the daily fantasy plays, but I am having a great time. Go to prizepix.com slash gold use code gold, and they're going to match whatever deposit you make. They'll match it up to a hundred bucks. So you could put in a hundred bucks if you're feeling frisky and they're going to give you another hundred bucks. Okay. Put in whatever you want, but they're going to give you another hundred bucks or they'll match up to a hundred bucks. So that's pricefix.com slash gold. Start small guys. If, if you're, if, if, uh, placing these entries is just not really your thing. Um, you've never been, you know, a, a, a partaker in that part, that side of sports, then if you, but you're kind of, you know, you're curious, you want to try it out, then start small, um, play smaller value entries, just work your way up from there. One more time, prizepixcom slash gold daily fantasy sports made easy. So I'm excited about my prize fix this year. It's air. Excuse me. This week. It's great to see all the green numbers and, uh, it's, we're only going up from here. So join me. Um, I'd love to see your guys' screenshots of how you did. Again, pricepix.com slash gold. Uh, shout out to uh even if you you know you don't put much in there, just using the promo code and going to that that link lets them know you came from here. So I appreciate y'all. Uh let's keep it moving. Uh vintage Debo game, right? Just a vintage Debo game. The Debo Samuel that uh, you and I have come. To know and love. Uh, he caught six passes for 63 yards, which on the surface may not seem, may not seem like much, but again, one of those, what, which was essentially a pass got converted to a rush. He ended up having four attempts for 38 yards. That's 7.6 yards of pops. One of the touchdowns. I mean, again, vintage Debo caught the pass, broke one tackle, kicked it around the outside then uh, put the brakes on, made a man miss, cut back inside, and took it into the end zone for six points. Uh, Just putting the team on his back and sometimes, and again, should have had another touchdown, a deep pass, and Purdy just missed him. Uh, And I'm sure he'll uh, he'll, he'll remedy that going forward. But a vintage Debo game, so shout out to Debo Samuel. There was no way we were going to get through this pod without mentioning Debo. Over the first half, we kind of saw the 49ers defense that we felt like Was a shell of themselves. If we go to the first half statistics here, let's see. Over the first half, the 40 or the Rams offense was rushing for 4.1 yards a carry, which is more than the 49ers are willing to give up. Matthew Stafford was 14 of 18 for one touchdown and no turnovers. And the uh, Puka Nakua already had seven catches for 66 yards. And Atwell already had four catches for 55 yards. And that was just in the first half. So the Rams were were kind of moving up and down the field on the 49ers. If you go to the possession chart, the Rams in the first half went field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Then we were at halftime. So over that first half, we were wondering what the hell was going on with this defense. And even then over the course of the game, the 49ers only had one sack and it wasn't even from a defensive lineman. It was from Fred Warner on a blitz. So there are some things to look for there. You you would like to see the 49ers defensive front be able to generate more pressure. Again, I would like to see the time, like the, the time to throw numbers because Stafford was getting it out quick. Now you did have a uh, five or excuse me, six quarterback hits between the defensive line. Kevin Givens had one. Cleveland Farrell had one. Nick Bosa had three of them as well as the tackle for loss. And Fred Warner's QB hit, uh, you know, from his sack. They the pass rush just did not seem as effective as I assumed it was going to be. If you go back to Week One to the Rams matchup against the Seahawks, and you go to their defensive charts, the Seahawks managed two sacks and eight quarterback hits. And, and excuse me, those were the Rams' numbers. No, okay. Then I wonder if I misread those numbers. No, I was probably just focusing on the Rams defense. But if you go to the Seahawks defense, all right, this this changes my outlook a little bit. The Rams did not give up a single sack against the Seahawks and only two quarterback hits. So maybe I was a little ahead of myself when it came to the Rams defense or offensive line disrespect because they held the 49ers defensive line in check for pretty much all of that game. Um, and that's one thing you'd like to see the 49ers do well. I mean, if there's one, one thing they should do well is that defensive front should get after the quarterback, and they weren't able to do that today at all, and that gave Stafford all the time he needed. Only a few times did they push Stafford off his spot, and even then, he just wasn't under enough pressure to worry about it, and he'd still make the completion. But that being said, they tightened down the straps when they needed to because, again, I said the Rams' first Uh, first half drives, went field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Well, in the second half, the Rams drive went punt, interception, punt, field goal, interception, turnover on downs, field goal. So the 49ers defense really turned it up in the second half. They created turnovers when it mattered. They made plays down the stretch, and that's really what you want to see. Fred Warner had that key sack on third down. Yamador Lenore had an interception, beautiful interception, where he undercut a route that Matthew Stafford just slightly underthrew. And Lenore took that out uh, took that away. And that was in the f- deep into the fourth quarter. That drive started with five minutes and 29 seconds left of the game and ended with a Lenore interception. Um, and then you also had earlier than that, uh in the th- midway through the third quarter, you have Isaiah Oliver's interception off a tipped pass. Uh, he one-handed, he brought that thing in one-handed and that was another key play because I believe the 49ers after that drive went on to uh, put points on the board in the in the form of a field goal and officially take the lead for the first time in the uh, second half. It's always more fun to be there for live 49ers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the 49ers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers. So it was a weird game for the defense. I think a lot of people watching were a little shocked at how effectively the Rams were moving the ball. But remember, one of the things I said early early this week in the pod was, I mean, if they've got Matthew Stafford, they can do some things. I didn't expect um, Nakua and Atwell to continue to have the same success they had against Seattle in week one, but they did. Uh, If anything, they had more. Uh, Let's go – oh, you know, and I clicked out of that game. But uh, Nakua and Atwell had big games against Seattle and had big games against the 49ers. Not exactly what you want to see, but at the same time, when the 49ers defensive front isn't able to get pressure on the quarterback and you've got a quarterback as good as Stafford that is picking his targets – in a way that's that's not giving the 49ers defense much chance to adjust. You know, there's going to be some some blowback to that. Um and Williams, their running back also had six catches for 48 yards. So there was a I mean again, Matthew Stafford threw the ball 55 times. That was their their key to the game was to throw the damn ball. The 49ers run defense did clamp down a bit, ended up only surrendering 4 yards of carry. I think that dropped a little bit after the half. Karrion Williams had 3.7 yards of carry Stafford, 4.3. Um, it just, it, that wasn't how they were intent on beating the 49ers uh, on the ground. It was through the air and I wouldn't say they almost did, but they definitely had some success. No, uh, no doubt about that. All right, let's get some big ups, some, uh, some shout outs, if you will. Just going down a list of people that I thought had good games that needed to be recognized. Christian McCaffrey had another big game, 20 carries for 116 yards. That's 5.8 yards a pop. Uh, that's more than than anybody else in the game that, that had that many carries, that had meaningful carries. Uh, I mean, Debo Samuel had five carries. He averaged 7.6, but obviously Christian McCaffrey was the one toting the rock. We're, I have a takeaway that I know kind of talks about this, so I'm going to hold off on mentioning it right now. I did uh I did fire away a Christian McCaffrey statistic down here. Um Christian McCaffrey through the first two weeks. 42 carries, 268 yards, 6.3 yards a pop, two touchdowns, eight catches, 36 yards. So he is uh he is already I mean so I mean that's two games. So you would multiply if 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 the paces, you know, when people Talk about someone's on pace for something. If you were to, I mean, you would multiply that by more than eight, because that's through two games. So if you multiplied by the that by eight, that would be 16 games, but it would actually be eight points something. But I mean, if you do that, you're talking about McCaffrey having about 2000 yards and almost 20 touchdowns when you include through the air and on the ground, so off to a ridiculous pace right now. Off to a ridiculous pace. Um, who else do I got here? Debo Samuel again. We talked about it. Vintage Debo making those plays down the stretch and uh, put the team on his back to get into the end zone. Juwan Jennings with the big boy catch over the top of. I, want, I thought it was closer to being double coverage than, than, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm mixing two things up. Uh, De'Aminor Lenore with that game ceiling interception read beautifully cut right in front of the route. Isaiah Oliver, third down tackle. Um, he had a tackle on third down. The running back was targeted in the flat. Isaiah Oliver came up and made that tackle about three yards short of the sticks. The Rams tried to show like they were going for it, but they didn't. Um, he also had that interception that helped change the flow of the game. And he had a blitz. I believe it was a blitz on fourth down in the Rams. Second to last drive and just ended up blitzing straight through the gap where the running back was running through. Blew him up in the backfield, and he kind of fell forward. And I want to say it was Nick Bosa that finished the tackle. Another big ups to Jake Moody. Jake Moody continues to be reliable for the 49ers. He had three field goals for 12 points. He made all of his extra points, and his longest field goal was from 57 yards. Kyle Shanahan was fired up after Moody made that field goal. He has not missed a field goal yet for the regular season. So big ups for the 49ers rookie third round kicker because he is kicking as of right now, like a third round kicker. So hopefully that stays stays that way. All right. It's about that damn time. You know what time it is. It's time for our prize picks post game takeaways. We had a more clever name than that. I need to, I, I mentioned it in the last pod, I'm going to go back and listen to it. I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't remember, remember it, but let's get into them. I'm finding them on my, on my Twitter X, excuse me. All right. I think we started from the bottom last time. We're going to start from the stop from the top, right up top. We've got two fresh first place. Let's go. He is referring to the 49ers standings in the NFC West. The 49ers are now two and O in sole position of first place in the NFC West. The Rams are at one and one. Um, if those two teams were tied, the 49ers as of now would hold the tiebreaker until later in the season. The Seahawks are one and one uh, as well after win- a win over the Lions, which I did not expect them to do. I figured the Lions would take that one. And the Cardinals put up a really good fight against the Giants, but fell and they are 0-2 at the bottom of the division so back to two freshers tweet. Anyone worried that Kyle might be interfering with Wilkes' defensive game plan? Can we please get Mitchell and JP to spell CMC, glad our defense clamped down. The missed tackles were driving me crazy. Okay, a little bit to break down here. I um you know what? It was Nick Wagner. Let me go find Nick right now for you guys cuz he did a little bit of a, you know, I mentioned the first half drives versus the second half drives. Um where's it at? E- each we did some some okay. 49ers defense by half on Sunday against the Rams. In the first half, the 49ers blitzed 15% of the time. Second half, 33. So they're turning up the intensity. Presser percentages in the first half, 20%, second half, 26, and then QB under duress you know, it says zero of two in the first half. What does that even mean? Zero of two of what? You know, it says two blitzes and they was under duress twice. You know what I mean? Two what? But in the second half, he was two of nine. So, obviously, the 49ers turned up the intensity in the second half. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan has anything to do with that. And then on your next question, can we please get uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell or... JP, to spell him? Absolutely. I don't don't really understand. Now, look, Christian McCaffrey was playing well, but I don't really understand why he has to take every real character or character carry of the offense. There is no other running back got to carry. And to me, again, the numbers are pretty. And that's why he continues to get carries, but it's a long season. It's a long season. I think that Kyle is probably waiting for some type of comfortable situation where he feels like he can rotate those backs in. But, damn. You know, what? And I, and I didn't look at the inactives today. So, I, I didn't see which or if any of the running backs were inactive. I could probably try to fly down their Twitter to see them. But, you know, I think that Kyle Shanahan's just becoming more and more stingy about the way he treats players in terms of spelling them because he just doesn't want to leave everything up to chance. And I could kind of understand that with the way the 49ers have lost games in the past. But then again, one of the main ways they've lost games in the past is because of injuries. So you would think that, uh, you know, he would be a little bit more careful with Christian McCaffrey. The only running back that was inactive was Tyrion Davis price. So they did have JP Mason out there. They did have Elijah Mitchell. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't trust any of them to at least give McCaffrey some breaks. But again, McCaffrey's lighting it up. Not the hugest deal, but it's a little interesting. Robert Kevin Trevor Louder the <laughs> Fourth. This is this is our, our our uh our friend of the pod that is always changing his name. I don't know if that's your name squeezed in there. Kevin Trevor. It's kind of a cool name. Could be uh, a wealthy business owner. Could be a serial killer. You know, Kevin Trevor kind of gives off both vibes. Um, I'm the fifth. So I, I mean, there I'm, I'm confused, but I like it. All I know is I'm confused and I like it. I feel the power. I couldn't be prouder. It's takeaway time with clam chowder louder. That's awesome. I've never heard my name associated with clam chowder. No sarcasm at all. But I, I'm enjoying the energy. I'm enjoying the energy. Week two is a wrap, but it's another huge road win for the 49ers. Stafford had to make 50 attempts, he did, which is still mind boggling to me. Bosa doesn't look like 120 million million guaranteed. Not right now. Um, I did try to watch Bosa specifically on a couple snaps. Saw him get double teamed a couple times again. That's just gonna continue to happen. He's got to find a way. I do expect Bosa to continue to improve, though. I don't he he did make more of an impact in this game. Um, got a, a great rush on Matthew Stafford later in the game. Um, and I expect that to ramp up. Not too worried about it. The defense had an unforgivable first half, but a win anyway. Right. The first half was fairly unforgivable and downright surprising in my eyes. Um, but they turned it up in the second half and found a way to, uh, to be a huge part of the reason why the 49ers won, which is what you want to see, and that's what we're used to seeing. Matt Leaf. Far from a mistake-free game, I agree, but nothing better than a win. Would like the defense to step up earlier on in the game, but the adjustments came and absolutely worked. Hats off to Isaiah Oliver on defense and Moody hitting all those attempts. Giants, here we come. Yes, the Giants, the 49ers are playing the Giants on Thursday at Levi's Stadium. Sports Mike, Um, not to be confused with Date Mike or Prison Mike. A little concerned with our front four struggling to get to the uh, the QB. Yeah, I agree. The 49ers front four did not look like the unit we would expect them to. Maybe the Rams offensive line is, is more game than I expected. But again, you would think the 49ers defensive front would have a little bit more of an impact in that game. Uh, dislike how soft our secondary was playing. The 49ers secondary did allow many of those receptions to go to a receiver that looked wide open or at the very least, the 49ers were fine with making a tackle right after the catch. It did look very soft. I don't know if they were expecting more pressure from the front, and they were just trying to keep from being beat by any big plays. But, I mean, to me, it was like 10 to 12-yard completion over and over and over. But, uh, I mean, Matthew Stafford, he only had five-point-something yards per attempt, so it got a little better in the second half, but there were so many passes thrown to a receiver that looked like the corner was at least five yards off. Just seemed a little weird. Greenlaw is a Draymond esque player and it makes me nervous. I get what you mean in terms of the energy. I think the penalty on him was a bullshit call. Like to me, when you make those calls from a referee standpoint, you're trying to like make yourself part of the game and like, like you're trying to like be a parent in that moment and discipline this football player. And it just doesn't, doesn't come off like, It's how the game should be managed, especially when Greenlaw was just assisting in a tackle of a player that just kept driving for more yards. But I can understand what you mean when you say he's a Draymond-esque player and he makes you nervous. Greenlaw does seem to be a little bit unhinged, but if that's what what makes his engine go, then I think the 49ers are willing to accept that. Pretty was good, but missed a lot of throws today. Yes, he did. Talked about him. Yes, he did. Would love to mix in Mason and Mitchell. I agree. I think that uh, you know that's going to be a trend throughout these takeaways, and uh, and I do agree with it. Jeffrey K. Lyles, a win by one point or forty points doesn't matter as so long as it's a win, division win, and no serious injuries. I'll take that formula all season. I agree. I've never fully bought into like the wins a wins phrase because if you're playing a bad team, you should win by a lot. If you're playing a good team and you win by a little, then we'll take that all day. But sometimes wins don't tell the entire story. But to your point, no serious injuries as of now. And um, and again, when you look at the uh, the NFC West rankings, it just says the 49ers won. Mike McVay, the first three quarters looked like they were playing with cleats made of concrete. It it did. I mean, it, again, corners were, were allowing a lot of separation. It always seemed like it took the linebackers a step or two to get there, a step or two longer than it should. Uh, But Mike says, glad that changed in the fourth quarter. Love the interceptions from Demo and um, from the D, excuse me. I'd rather drink turpentine and piss on a brush fire than listen to Sanchez call another game. He sounded like a Rams fan. 2-0, I'll take it. You know what? I I did notice that. Mark Sanchez did sound like he was celebrating Rams plays. It was was a little weird. And I mean, I, I... Whatever you know, I know that announcer, you know, commentators are supposed to be neutral. But there was a lot of times where I was like, this, this almost sounds like you're listening to the game on like Rams local coverage. It was weird. I, I did notice that. I can't even say this. Big shot dincha. big shot dincha. I could see words in there. I just, I'm, I'm you know, obviously mispronouncing it or or not saying it with the appropriate. Uh, swagger. The defense made adjustments. Aaron Donald did nothing. That is a great point that I wish I would have mentioned earlier. Aaron Donald did next to nothing. His official stat line, from a very basic, uh, you know, box score perspective, was no tackles and one quarterback hit. Like neutralized completely. I don't know if if Aaron Donald is is declining. I'd lean no, but the 49ers absolutely shut him down. Clay Rex, if this is Purdy having an off game, this team is going deep in the playoffs. Hey, I said almost the same thing. I agree. Not sure how much more people need to see to call Purdy the guy. I mean, we mentioned it. You can go look at the title for our last pod. Um, Purdy's the man, you know, and he is the 49ers guy. And it is cool to be able to watch 49ers football with out any really nagging question marks at the quarterback position, but he does look incredibly comfortable, very relaxed, very in control. Um, I believe a guy, I, you know, as you can tell, I listen to guy Haverman a lot. I just, I love the way they, they work through information. Him and uh, John have a good thing going, but they joked about something I've joked about on the pod before. And how I've talked about whenever Jimmy Garoppolo was quarterback, whenever he threw the ball to where, the camera had to pan like you didn't see the guy that he was throwing to. It made you nervous. But when Brock Purdy throws off screen, it's like, damn, what's he doing? Like, okay, big play coming up. You know what I mean? Like there's so much more confidence in the way Purdy plays. And the dude is brand new to this deal. You know, it's 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 very impressive. Sograss says the 49ers scored 30 with Brock having a C game. The offense can consistently be elite this year. Also a great point. They still put up 30, and we talked about that earlier. Could they have scored 45 this game? I think so. I think so. They could have at least hit 40, and uh, that's uh, that's impressive against any team in the NFL. Great adjustments by the defense in the second half, a struggle in the first, but I think the Rams' offense may just be good. Uh, I think that that's – and you, you got to think, too, they don't even have Cooper Cup right now. So I I agree the man the Rams the Mans I almost called them the Mans they might make some noise I think that they uh, they could be in the mix for a playoff spot this year. Not a, every game is a Pittsburgh drubbing. Survive and advance. Good point. They they, they survived and advanced. Uh, Denver Drew says the guards held Donald in check for the most part. The soft coverages in the first half were maddening. I agree. I, I I'm assuming there was some type of method to that madness, but. It just was not working. You know, if Atwell and Nakua can have 20-plus catches between the two of them, something is is weird. Unless they really are just that good, which shout-out to them. Jeff says Rams played a near-perfect first half while the Niners were solid, made adjustments at half, and the better team won. Rams played tough, though. I agree. I think that, that there should be a certain level of respect given to the Rams for how well they played. Um, one of the things I I tweeted out at some point, uh, before the first half, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was basically saying the 49ers defense is just getting ripped apart and they're going to have to make some adjustments in the second half. And, you know, I always wonder how much adjustments are really made, but it seemed like there was a very noticeable difference, you know, kind of highlighted by Nick Wagner's tweet. So they definitely made adjustments. Uh Milo says Purdy was solid, but those misses are a little worrying if they become consistent. I think so. I could agree with that in terms of those misses becoming consistent. They haven't been consistent up until this point. Um, I expect him to hit those more often. Especially, I'm assuming Purdy seems like the type of guy that's like, I miss three deep balls. Okay, that's 25 deep balls per miss. So I've got to get some of the guys throughout the week to uh, to hit me with 75 deep routes so I can work on it. Uh, that's how I handled things when I was a receiver. If I dropped the ball, I had to catch 50 passes. If I dropped the ball in a game, I had to catch an additional 50 catches after practice. Um, and my dad was my football coach for a good part of that, that time. So it always happened. Darren says, Jake Moody's leg matters. That extra three from that 57-yarder made this a much easier win. Absolutely. I mean, the 49ers spent a good part of um, the fourth quarter, you know, with a two-score lead, and that makes all the difference in the world, how you play defense, how you play offense. And, uh, yeah, Jake Moody was a huge part of the 49ers winning. I mean, if you want to, from a – it's obviously not a multiverse like this, but if you want to remove all of Jake Moody's points, uh, the 49ers don't win because he was responsible for several extra points and three field goals. John David, Niners should have had more points on the board if Purdy doesn't have a couple overthrows, but he also didn't make any costly mistakes. Um, I'm glad that you guys are picking up on kind of that frame of thinking. Because, I mean, how many of you guys have watched um, The Last Dance? I mean, how many times did Jordan talk about the fact that, like, we played horrible and they barely beat us? That's kind of the same thing here. The 49ers played poor by they stan- their standards, especially on offense, and they still dropped 30. So there's definitely some needs improvements, but also it's, it's kind of they, they needs improvements in a way to where you can be positive about it. Let's keep moving here. Um, D showed up when needed. Moody was huge. Good complimentary football. Yeah, the 49ers found success in all phases of the game. David Soto, big division win here. We were deep in Levi South. Despite two missed touchdowns from Purdy and defense had no pass rush at all, we still got the win. Um, yeah, it's those are the two, you know, I wouldn't say they're the things that concern me the most. I'm more concerned about the pass rush than I am the two missed touchdowns. The fact that those opportunities were there is a plus. The fact that opportunity uh, was missed by Purdy is a minus, but I think they'll work on that. A face in the crowd, the overthrow sucked, but that tells me he doesn't lack arm strength and he's making good reads and finding windows. I think that's a great point. You know, it got some likes in the chat, in the, in the, on X. So uh, that's a good point. He's, he's reading it correctly. The play is open. Players are getting open. They just got to connect. Purdy kind of just attributed it to, uh, you know, um, when the bullets start flying, you just speed everything up. You're throwing a little harder than you should be. And uh, I think he'll I think he'll narrow that down. Danny Boy said Purdy wasn't perfect, but he played from he played from begging for a bit and delivered. Probably a typo in there, but that's all right. I believe people were wanting to see that after Parsons praise last week. Oh, played from behind is what he meant to say. Yep. He played from behind and delivered. Yes, he did. The 49ers running backs who are not CMC are very well rested. Yes, they are. They need to get in the game. At least Maybe a total – I mean, even if it's a total of five touches between Elijah Mitchell and um, Mason, then at least least just give the man a a little bit of a break. Uh, Brandon Grevers, Greenlaw needs to clean up his dumbass penalties, although it was soft. Yeah, it was soft. It was bad. Um, Again, it just seemed like the refs were trying to punish Greenlaw like you would a parent, and it just comes off weird because what he did didn't seem like a penalty. All right, that's it for the takeaways. I appreciate every single one of you that jumped in there and fired away a question. Every week, I need y'all in there. It just, you know, it adds to the episode. I love being able to include y'all, include you guys. And I want to keep doing it. We got a whole, we got 15 plus more games to do this. So I appreciate you. Remember the 49ers next game is week three against the Giants on Thursday night football at Levi's stadium. Uh, Don't miss it. Don't be like that story. I had uh, a a few weeks ago about the dude that was all ready for the game on Sunday. Um, Even took a picture of his setup and the 49ers had already played on Thursday. So don't be like that guy. Um, If you are like that guy, just send it to me uh, through DMS. I promise I won't share it. I promise. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to striking gold. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Please leave us a positive review. If you feel like we deserve it Um, again, get on price slash gold promo code gold and uh, get in on this action. They offered like uh, uh, deals in a way too, where, you know, they discount kind of the projections of players. There are, you know, there are ways to go about this to where you can almost guarantee success. So get on prizepicks.com. Use code gold and uh, and partake in that with me, but other than that, y'all know the story. Uh, for every for every uh, you know, for all good things, they must they must come to an end. So for another episode, I'm Rob. This is striking gold. We'll see you later this week. We are signing out.